Welcome! You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. Lisa Jo, a few of my favorite ordinary things are sunflowers that have grown taller than I am, sipping iced coffee on the front porch, and watermelon from a farmer's market. Mm, And a few of mine are kids doing backflips off the diving board, the first fireflies of the season, and sleeping in. Listeners, are you reading Lisa Joe's new book yet? It's a love letter to ordinary life called The Middle Matters, Why That Extra Ordinary Life Looks Really Good on You. This incredible book is like a magic mirror. It showed me just how marvelous my ordinary life already is. In these hilarious and honest essays that are so much like our conversations here on this podcast, Lisa Joe invites us to take a good look at our middles and gives us permission to embrace them beyond what the media, the mirror, the magazines, or our teenagers might say. Through gutsy, beautiful storytelling, she admits out loud what most of us are thinking about marriage, parenting, the bathroom scale, and our struggles with doubt and faith. So many women, Christy, today feel like their lives are boring, ordinary, or routine, especially when you compare them to what the movies or social media seem to think we should be living up to, and it is exhausting to live up to everybody else's expectations of what a meaningful life should look like. But what if we don't need to seize the day every day? What if it's as simple as changing the way we see each day? Whether it's that afternoon you sobbed in your minivan because your kid finally got something other than an F in spelling, or all those weekends you spent at the sports field watching other moms cheer on your children, win or lose. Maybe it's that after more years together than apart, you see your partner with new eyes and you realize that ordinary is sexy, or that now you know that a pocket full of friends is more than enough and that failure isn't something we need to fear anymore. It might stun us to discover just how good that extraordinary life really does look on you. So friends, treat yourself. Pick up a copy of The Middle Matters, available now everywhere books are sold. And then pick up a copy for a girlfriend too. Go to themiddlemattersbook.com and treat yourself. Now get comfy. Here we go. Lisa Joe, the day that the Lord has made is here. <laughs> you believe it. Here we are. The middle matters is born. It's like yesterday was a really big oh birthday my for gosh. you. I just yes, yes, it is. It's like I had this would be baby number book baby number three. Wow. But if I'm counting all my babies, it's baby number six. Congratulations! <laughs> I feel you. like as your dear friend, I should sh- I should throw you a baby shower. Oh, or I mean, something. that's kind of what's happening on Saturday. I, I feel. Think We can't believe we're going to get to meet some of your readers in person here at the Black Barn at Maplehurst on Saturday. We're so excited. We are. And it will be so wonderful to invite um, a few of you not only into this place, but even further into our joy, because this really is a week of joy and celebration and 
gratitude, gratitude oh, for all that. Somehow relief, you yes. know, like it's here. <laughs> we <laughs> did it right. somehow. I feel like you've been my doula on this journey uh, so much. Christy's been there since the beginning of the idea of this that's book. That's right. That's right. She's one of my very first readers. Mm-hmm. She endorsed the book. She's throwing the book launch party on mm-hmm. Saturday. I mean, Christy, I'm so beholden to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Me and my beautiful orange baby. That's <laughs> my book. <laughs> My book cover is bright orange. <laughs> That's right. Does this ba- this does this book baby need some light therapy or <laughs> this baby? It's so funny because orange. I've never worn orange in my entire life, mm. and somehow there's something about this color that just screams joy and happiness. And then there I am on the cover. So I was gonna say it's a baby that doesn't really look like me, but it looks exactly it like does me. Look exactly. Here like I you. am on the cover, Lisa Joe. Can we just start right there? You are on the cover of that's, a book. That's the how what are, weird. In how are you feeling so many about ways? that? <laughs> oh man, I don't know where to begin. It's so personal because you're like, please like me. Look, I'm on the cover of this book. <laughs> Have mercy if you leave a review. Yes. <laughs> Look at the smiling face. I had such good intentions. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those strange things. This is not the original cover. This is not the original cover Ooh, design. It sounds like there's a story there. You know that there is. And if you did the pre-order and you had received your secret podcast sessions and you're familiar with the story. So we'll let everybody else in on the secret. So there was a cover design that did include this beautiful orange shiplap background. That was always part of the design. But the designer, when we went through so many rounds of covers, and you know, a book cover is a hard thing to settle on. It's it really difficult to find something that, that captures the heart of the book, but that's appealing to a reader mm-hmm. and it feels accessible. And so our designer had come up with, with what I really liked. It was this orange shiplap and it was this really cute pair of jeans, kind of, you know, as I if you discarded yes. them on the floor, right? Yes. It felt really fun and approachable. Um, but some of the people on our team were a little concerned it might read too much like YA, you know, like mm-hmm. young adult fiction mm-hmm. or too much like the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, yeah. <laughs> which my daughter really just recently discovered that TV Aww. shows, a TV movie, she loves it. Um, and so, but we still weren't sure. We thought, well, it looks like it's it looks like the cover, you know, and we had really gone all the way up to it's final, it's done. This is the design. And so what happened? So then, out of the blue, one of the publishers, um, and so it's, for those of you listening, a publisher is the company, yes, but it's actually also the name of the person. The head of the publishing company is called the publisher. Mm-hmm. And one of the publishers involved in this whole process uh, from Penguin Random House, which is the parent to Waterbrook Multnomah, which is my publisher, she one day just was kind of sitting around with my agent there having lunch. She was talking about the book design. She was talking so kindly about the book and how much she loves it. And then she pulled up my Instagram feed. And as she's talking to her colleagues, from what I hear, as the story was told to me, she said, just look at Lisa Joe. She's so full of life. She's so full of joy in her Instagram pictures. Why isn't she on the cover of the book? And that wow. question brought the entire system to a halt. <laughs> as everybody then was like, yes, why isn't she on the cover of the book? Wow. And so we went back to the drawing board and they said to me, we think we're going to put you on the cover. <laughs> and how did you feel when they first you proposed know, that? Part of me was kind of like that horror. Yes, because yes. you're like, oh no, I'm going to have to go pose for a picture. <laughs> yes. That seems horrifying because they wanted to schedule a professional photo shoot and figure out what would I wear. And I just felt dread at that mm-hmm. experience. Some people might, like my daughter, that would be her dream come true, <laughs> dressed up and photographed. It is not my dream. Um, but I also felt like 
I, I think that'd be fun. It's kind of like standing at the front door of your house and welcoming oh, people in. That's a great you know? metaphor. I love that. And when I have guests over, and you do this too. I do I love too. This. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I always walk out onto yes, the porch when yes. I hear the car coming. Always. I don't wait in the house for them. I'm out there like waving. Exactly. I'm yes. so happy you're here. And having me on the cover felt like that, mm. you know? And so as we were talking back and forth about, you know, what would the photo shoot look like? What kind of clothes? What, you know, where would I be? The designer asked me, could you send me a photograph or two of yourself to kind of give me a placeholder as I'm putting the design together? Okay. And I said, sure. And the photo that is now on the cover, I sent to him because it's one of my favorites. It was snapped on a cell phone by one of my dear friends, Amy Hinman. During my daughter Zoe's birthday party last year, she was turning seven, and I was wearing a t-shirt that has different language on it, obviously, than the one on the cover, because we photoshopped the subtitle (laughs) onto my t-shirt. I was wearing this t-shirt that I really love that says, I'm just a sweatpants girl living in a skinny jeans world. And we wanted to get a photograph of the t-shirt and Amy was making me laugh so hard. I have like three day hair. My makeup is sweated off because I was at a party. I have chippy nail polish and you can see it in the picture. And she snapped this photograph and I sent it to our designer, Mark. And when he mocked it up, uh, one of the ideas we had was to pull in the orange shiplap as a background that was on the original cover. Ah. Then, you know, superimpose this photograph onto that orange shiplap. And when we all looked at it and we were in a design call... They said to me, how would you feel about actually just using this photograph? This cell phone this photo cell phone that your friend in your took. real life, <laughs> not staged, no perfect makeup. And I felt like the hallelujah chorus sounded. Uh-huh. I was like, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because A, I don't have to pose now for a photo shoot. And B... It felt to me then like the cover of the book matched the inside of the book. Right. Because this is me in my real life. And I I actually, Mark asked me, you know, if you want me to, I could Photoshop your nails so you don't look oh. like you have this chipped nail uh-huh, polish. Uh-huh. And I wasn't even tempted. I said, nope. Like, look at me right now as we're recording. I have chippy nail polish. <laughs> I can never get it to last long enough. And I do every now and again get, you know, the nail schlacking done in the salon that'll last a few weeks. But inevitably it chips. And then I wait forever. Mm. <laughs> Let it all chip off. And uh, I was doing a podcast interview where one of the, where the interviewer asked me, oh my gosh, tell me the kind of freedom you must have to appear in public on a book cover with chippy nail polish. Wow. How did you do that? Like she was so stressed on huh. my behalf. And I just thought, yes, because that is what this book is. Uh. It's really show up in the middle yes. of your ordinary life and know that you are loved. You know, I think this is some of the fruit of the book you've been writing and the conversations we've been having on the podcast is that we have been celebrating ordinary life yeah. for so long for so now long. and all these stories and all these conversations that we were surprised that anyone would feel right. shame or discomfort about, right. about celebrating and showing yes. off their ordinary yes. life. And here you are, just this is you and you're in right. the middle of a birthday party. <laughs> exactly. And I just love that we can say, you know, none of us, culture today seems to celebrate viral moments, right? Mm-hmm. Mountaintop moments, mm-hmm. like YouTube mm-hmm. promposals or dramatic, you know, engagement photographs perfectly staged against the sunset or, you know, stunning birth photos. There's nothing wrong with these things. These mm-hmm. are beautiful things. But we don't live there. Like mm-hmm. we visit there, but then we have to continue with our lives. Yeah. And I just felt tired of being told it's these mountaintop moments that define a life that you have 
I thought, no, 99.99% of my life is just showing up for ordinary things, yeah. writing, which is my job, driving my kids to sports, navigating a marriage 20 years mm-hmm. in, you know, trying to stay deeply connected to my friends who I've known for a lifetime, mm-hmm. struggling with doubt and faith, mm-hmm. struggling with the stupid bathroom scale that I resent so much now that I'm on the other side of 40. And I thought to myself, why don't, why aren't we taking time to say these are the viral moments? Like Hmm. this is beauty, this stunning glory. I feel like God has buried treasure in plain sight for us. Uh. And all we have to do is see it. We literally just have to open our eyes. And so that's what this book is to me. It's me slowing down enough Hmm. to do that. So what, like, what does the middle mean? Or what, Ooh, what yeah. is, yeah, what does that mean to you? Because I'm now I'm seeing it juxtaposed with the mountaintop. So there's the oh, mountaintop moment, yeah, yeah. but then there's all this middle, middle. stuff. <laughs> I think it's a multi-layered. I think when I started writing it, it was because my first book, Surprised by Motherhood, is really when I'm in the beginning. I yeah. had new babies. I was a new mom, a young marriage. Everything was new. Uh-huh. I felt overwhelmed by all of it. And it was a love story to the beginning. Yes. And then I graduated out of babies, out of diapers. I have teenagers now. My youngest is going to turn nine soon. And I realized, oh, I'm I'm in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I'm not at the end. I'm mm-hmm. not at the successful conclusion. I'm not, you know, at the toppest, most, you know, famous part of my game, like whatever that looks like that we're supposed to all try to get to. Uh-huh. Um, we're not retired. We aren't celebrating, you know, our 50th wedding anniversary. Our kids aren't out of the house yet. We're in the middle. You are. And if so much of the middle feels like just driving, there's so much driving kids to all kinds of activities. You're in the middle of your career. You're in the middle of all these things. And and at the same time, I always laugh about how my literal middle, like my <laughs> midsection of my body also feels a little flabby and uh-huh, loosey-goosey and uh-huh. I don't quite recognize it. And I kind of want to hide it and pass by it as quickly as possible. Can we just take a moment <laughs> to, to set a little scene here? As I am sitting here with you recording this conversation, I am wearing what I like to think of as my 40-something middle years uniform. <laughs> Which is, it's a warm day, so it is a sundress that has no waistline at all. There you go. It begins at my neck and <laughs> flows freely in the wind down to my, you know, calves. Because the middle, yes, I don't want anything... Restricting. Restricting the... Or, or <laughs> highlighting. Highlighting the middle. Whereas maybe once upon a time, I was proud of my waistline, right, but right. no, that and ship has so sailed. it's so funny you say that because I am wearing my also uniform. I'm actually wearing the jeans... Right now that I'm wearing in this cover photograph, you are. these are the jeans. How perfect! And what's funny about these jeans, you can actually see the little hole, and it looks like they're distressed. Mm-hmm. These are just old. Oh. Like <laughs> those holes, that actual thigh hole became so large, I had to get it patched. Aww. And then I was just complaining to Christy again that even my patches in these jeans are ripping now. <laughs> but they're so soft and so comfortable. I will, I will cry when I can't wear them anymore. So that's a powerful metaphor right there. I love like them ripping so much. in all kinds of places. stretched thin. I'm splitting at the seams. But so wonderful (laughs) and comfortable and precious. And I'm wearing this big flowy shirt that says on it, I can't adult today. (laughs) 
which I feel like is the theme of this book because we wake up in the middle of our lives and we are shocked to discover we are in charge of other people's lives. Mm -hmm. There are three humans in my house who think I know the answers to everything and constantly say things to me, oh, I just can't wait till I'm a grown up. It must be so nice. You can just do whatever you want. (laughs) I've heard that. Are you kidding me? My life is more restricted now than it ever has been because of you people. Because of you. (laughs) And I just thought, I want to unpack this season because each season has its own highlight moments, Mm -hmm. right? And the thing is, there's a lot written about early motherhood, the beauty of it, the struggle of it. But there's not a lot, I feel like, about this middle season, mm-hmm. you know? There's there's more about your college kids and launching them off. And But what do we say about just all the commuting we do with our kids and the rounds after round of homework and middle school and now we're trying to go to high school and your kids aren't just toddling around the living room anymore. They're like toddling out the door toward driver's ed. It's right. very scary. <laughs> like, but at the same time, I kept waiting to feel like a grown-up, and I kept thinking, I will. First, I thought I'd feel like a grown-up when I got married, and I didn't. Then I thought I'd feel like a grown-up when I had babies, and I didn't. Then I was horrifying. I was like, how am I in charge of keeping (laughs) other humans alive? And then I thought, well, now I have teenagers. I should surely feel like a grown-up, and I don't. I don't even know how to change the air filters in our house, okay? (laughs) Like, if I had to ever get the oil changed in my car, I would not be able to do that. Like, Peter knows that stuff. So I just, I started to wonder... Do other women feel this way too, Mm. where we're in this weird middle section, which really isn't defined by age? I have friends who aren't in their 40s yet, but they're certainly in their middle Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. they had kids much, you know, they were much younger than I was Mm -hmm. when they got married, when they had kids, and their kids are in the stage. So, you know, to me, the middle isn't necessarily anything to do with your age per se. It's much more to do with the rhythm, the season, the stage that you're in. And it can feel middle-ish, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you're like in this weird, frumpy part of your life. And in the cover, you can see I wear, and it's funny, someone called this a tutu, but it isn't. But I like that it kind of looks like that. Mm-hmm. And you think I'm wearing it for fashion purposes, but it's a tank top extender you can wear. You can get them on Amazon. They're so fun. Maybe we'll link them in the show notes. Mm, I actually idea. have tons of them linked on our Amazon store because I use them so much. But it's so the t-shirt that doesn't comfortably cover all of my middle the way it would, I pair it with a flowy tank top that's kind of flouncy that disguises my middle. You know, it's a disguise essentially that I'm wearing. And I just started to think, you know, so much of our middle, we cover up this way. Mm. We feel like we don't talk about those things, about how hard marriage can be here in Mm -hmm. the middle or the fights we have with our teenagers, Mm -hmm. the words we wish we could take back or the ongoing battle we have with the scale. And I essentially sat down to write a book where I say out loud all the things I think we women think in our heads. You know, you're so right, Lisa Joe. I can't think of other books or TV shows or films that are are doing this, like really focusing and celebrating what you call the middle-ish. The middle-ish. <laughs> the frumpy middle-ish. And I think partially that may be because we don't associate this season of life with the drama of transition of mm. it's not a new thing. It's not an ending thing. Right. It's not birth. It's not death. It's, it is, it's just the stuff in the middle. Yeah. And so it doesn't have that that natural, easy drama. And yet what I loved about this book is that when I step into your life, as I do in these essays, and it's almost like I put on your eyeglasses for a Mm. while, and I get to see the middle through your perspective, what I saw was 
drama and passion and <laughs> yes, feeling and love and grief We're all and living it it was it lo- it began to look like the like the highlight reel of a movie like a great trailer for a film i really want to see which that's just not how we that's not how we no. tend to see these the middle of anything yes. really how do you do how oh did you my do gosh. it <laughs> because i actually feel life feels that way mm. and so i would be having moments that i can imagine so i'm not an artist i'm not even a really great photographer christy's a beautiful photographer i'm not a poet i'm not a musician i can't play any instrument at all but when i'm in the middle of completely mundane moments I can look around them and feel the swell of emotion as I'm experiencing what I'm seeing. And so, for example, here, one of my favorite essays in the book is called I Can't Believe What I Saw You Do Last Night. And it's about a track meet where my son ran his first 800-meter race. And I ran that my whole high school career. Mm. I ran the 800 meters. That was my race. I ran it as a scrawny 16-year-old who had sworn she'd never get married and she'd never have children. And she had big things she was going to do with her life. And then I stood at this track watching my scrawny South African-born son. Mm. I'm going to get choked up right now. Line up at the track meet. And I thought, oh my word, it's happening. Like, These two parts of my life are colliding in this moment. I am stepping into the past, but I'm in the future all at once. I'm watching. Track meets are so amazing because there are moms screaming for their kids in the race, right? Like hundreds of them. They're all lined up along the side of the track, but they're not screaming their kid's name. They're yelling like, go, baby, go, go, baby. And I realize it's because the kid knows their mom's voice. Mm. They don't need them to use their name. And as I was standing in the thick of that moment, I knew I was going to write this. Uh, That is how I feel, like how a photographer might think, I have to capture this, or a painter might paint it, or a musician might compose a beautiful piece of music. I knew I was going to write it because I write the way other people take photographs. You do. I write to capture every detail. How did it sound? How did it smell? How did that mom yell? What was the expression on that kid's face? So that I want you to step through the pages and literally be there and experience that moment so that you then can have new eyes to look at your ordinary life and say, oh, wait. I have moments just like that. I've just never slowed down to take that kind Mm -hmm, of photograph. mm -hmm. So this book, I tell people, is a photo album. This is a photo album. Mm -hmm. It has a collection of photographs from ordinary life that you will be able to look at that will help you change how you see your own so-called ordinary days. That's a beautiful description because it does, it does read like a photo album, but a photo album that is, I'm thinking more of the magical photos in Harry Potter where they're, oh, they're kind of alive yes, and three-dimensional, yes. you know, because the emotional texture of these stories is really what they're all yes. about, right? I and want so you these to are, feel yeah, all the things. So these are photos that we get to step into mm. and just experience all the 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 feelings and the sensations of them, even if, so our, you know, in some senses, I'm an ideal reader. I, I too, am in my middle years mm-hmm. and in the middle of marriage and mothering and, and many things. Um, and yet, for instance, the essay about your son running track, right. I mean, I don't have a lot of experience cheering my kids on in sports. It's just not our family culture. And yet, those were some of my favorite, favorite stories. So, I think even for readers who whose lives might look quite different, mm-hmm. their their middle might look quite different, right. or maybe they're or not they're, yet in the middle, or they're, they're coming out the of middle, it. Right. Yeah. I think the 
the privilege and the fun and the joy of stepping into someone else's story when that story is told so well is uh, it's just a good thing for for all of us. So I so just I, I want to think like what are some of the emotions I felt reading this book? So I have to say there were tears, Aww. but they weren't. All, I mean, sometimes I was they were like. Cry, like I was laughing so hard, tears. Like some of them were you know, those kind of tears. Emotion. Isn't that Dolly Parton who said, "My favorite emotion is laughter through tears." Oh yes, <laughs> yes, that's really what it was. So I'm. So first of all, so there were two moments I'm thinking of. The first is when I read the dedication to the book. Oh really? Tears. No it's so way. Beautiful. So I want to just take a moment to look read at that. Read the dedication. Yes. And oh, then there was a, so and then much. another moment of tears, but tears of laughter. The penguin patch. We have to talk about the penguin <laughs> we have patch. To talk about so, but first, first the dedication. Oh. I. It, it's so. Do you want to read it? Do you want me to read you it? You read it. Or do, you, do you mind you, reading it? No. Do you want people just to discover sure, it in the pages? I'll read it. No, I'll read. You can. I'll read it. Okay. This book is for my mom, Joe Rouse. We lost her in the middle, but not before she taught me that the harder the moment, the greater the story. Like, I'm going to cry right now. It's so beautiful and it's so precious. And I just feels like full circle moment to me. Like, yeah, I don't know, just that recognizing that you lost her in the middle, but that wasn't the end. Right. And her middle was so vibrant. You know, she was 42. That's so crazy to me. I'm 44. I'll actually turn 45 next month. How is that even possible? Mm. Uh, she was 42. And uh, actually, the last two years of her life, we, we only had her at home with us till she was 40. The last two years of her life, she was away in hospital. Mm. Two years she was in hospital. And we traveled through in the evening to go and see her. And she wasn't even in a hospital close to us that I didn't have a driver's license. So we had to depend on people to take us. But <laughs> oh, she was an English lover. She was like Christy. She taught English. She taught Latin. She spoke fluent English, Afrikaans, Dutch, and German. Wow. <laughs> she, anytime I asked her what a word meant or was trying to understand a story, she'd be like, if you had studied Latin, like I told you, <laughs> you would know. And then she'd obnoxiously like do the declensions <laughs> of the whole word and how it was derived and where it came from. She was a voracious reader. She read so much. Christy and I just last night were talking about that. She had this huge bookshelf. And I, my favorite thing was to come to the bookshelf and be like, mom, am I ready for this book yet? Mm. And she'd be like, no, no, not quite ready. I think you need to start with this one. And mm. she would walk me through that book like it was a treasure land. And she'd pick out different books for me to read. And she was my companion in books, but in movies too. She took me out of school to go see important movies. <laughs> she'd be like, mm. oh, what important movie came out today? We need to go see it. <laughs> Just had no qualms about that. She loved stories. And she was very, very sick. Uh, she had leukemia. And what was tricky about that is, of course, your immune system is compromised because it's cancer of your 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 blood and your bone marrow. And so she would, um, when we went to go and visit her, she would we'd have to wear masks and we'd have to wear like little uh, you know, coverings of our shoes. Mm. We had to sanitize the whole time. It had to be very sanitary when we went in to see her. It's hard to hug her and touch her and. So she had a lot of painful procedures constantly. Mm. And she, I remember, this is so this is the story behind this dedication. I actually mm -hmm. haven't told this anywhere else. She, one day when we went to visit her, she'd had a very 
difficult procedure. And she said she was coming out of the anesthetic and she was lying in a recovery room. And so she had the curtain pulled around her bed, but there were other people in the room too. And so she could hear the voices (laughs) of the other families arriving. She could hear the patients complaining. And then she could hear one patient was very dramatic and high maintenance and what the nurses were saying to her, but then what the nurses were saying about her in the corridor. And she could hear the family members who were complaining, the family members who were loving each other, the family members who were singing or praying. And she said she lay there and she was in a lot of pain. She said she made herself listen to everything that was happening. And she told me afterwards, I just kept telling myself, this is going to make a really good story. (gasps) (laughs) And she absorbed the details of the event because that is how she saw her life. And I think that's the gift I've inherited from her, the ability to look at what's happening around me and think, this will make a really good story. And so sometimes it's at a track meet. Sometimes it's complaining about the penguin Mm -hmm. patch marketplace Mm -hmm. at my kid's school. But that ability to see. And I think, you know, Jesus often talked about that. Those who have eyes to see, let them see. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And I felt I felt that like an echo in my life. Like, but can you see? You don't need to actually seize the day. What if you could just see it today? Mm-hmm. And I hope this book will allow other women that superpower that mm-hmm. my mom taught me. What an inheritance from, from yeah. her. And I think... That must be a big part of the reason why you um, celebrate the middle and you're able to see and help us see what makes it so special that this is really the stuff of life. Like these are the stories that will line our empty nests one day. These are the stories we'll sit and talk about, the things that drove us crazy now. Like how your kid can get all the way to a baseball practice and then realize he doesn't have his cleats. Like what, (laughs) we're on your feet in the car. I don't even understand. What is wrong with your brain? You know, the things they say and do that make you crazy. Like, those are the things that define these years that are, those pressure points will actually have pushed hard enough into your memory to stick. Like, those moments of exasperation and frustration with your teenager, that will be the story you remember because it scraped a deep enough groove in your brain. (laughs) Like the penguin patch. Oh, the penguin patch. Oh, Lisa Joe, I laughed and laughed and laughed reading your story about your children and especially Zoe going back year after year to to explain first what this is. To the school's penguin patch. Do you have this here too? So we do. I've never heard it called the penguin patch. So that just shot (laughs) my funny bone like you would not believe. But I think most schools have this um, where, and I even had it at, at my school growing up, a, a version of it anyway, where the school community, I think as a fundraiser, but also and as a way around to, the Christmas around season. the Christmas as a way to bless, you know, the families and, and help these kids uh, give gifts to their parents or their other family members at Christmas time, they will set up a little shop in the school and uh, allow the children to bring in money and a list and go shopping yes. at school. But uh, for those of you who are familiar with this, you know the kinds of gifts it's that terrible. come out of it's worse the, than the dollar patch. Store. Yes. <laughs> it is. It's worse than the dollar store. And costs more. And costs more. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, and yet, oh my goodness. You know. I So I still have... I have jewelry tucked away in my box, still in its wrapping. I have fake like, <laughs> diamond roses. <laughs> 
We have many mugs that Rings. say world's best father, world's best Trophies mother. Trophies that say uh, best brother that Zoe buys every year for her brothers. We had one very memorable purchase from our own penguin patch that uh, it was my oldest, my daughter, buying a gift for the youngest, her only sister, who would have been two, I think, that Christmas. And so she had bought this little plastic squishy toy. Yeah. And it was this highlight of Christmas morning. Elsa is unwrapping the gift that her sister has chosen for herself. No one knows what it is. And she opens the squishy toy. And because she's two, she picks it up, realizes she can hurl it. She hurls it across the room. It lands in the fireplace where the Christmas morning fire is, you you know, (laughs) is burning merrily. And it was the most noxious smell, plastic, (laughs) melty, stink mess. And all of us with our faces of shock and horror screaming, (gasps) Elsa! (laughs) So yes, I have I have thoughts and feelings about the penguin oh, patch. <laughs> that's from a part of the book called Why the Middle of Your Living Room Matters. And it's the, the essay is called, if you want to look it up, if you got the book, if it arrived. I love this title. Go ahead. Step step away from the mug. <laughs> step away from the mug. Oh, it's and, such a good one. To give context, it's because I have a collection of world's greatest mom, best dad, and mom superstar and it's like there's this like a sad mermaid on the mug or like a superhero cape because my children every year buy the same things at the penguin patch the ex- i've had the exact same mug same design <laughs> same everything given uh, to me and i was one day in like a home goods store and saw uh-huh. these perfect white mugs with perfectly printed you know that funky little typewriter style words like Cafe and hot cocoa and I just chai thought, chai. I just like lusted after <laughs> the perfection of what these mugs represented so badly, so badly. But there's a twist to the end of that story, so, so you'll have to read it yourself. We tried to ban our kids from the penguin patch, and um, oh, that was really awkward because Zoe came home with presents anyway one year and was so horrified and so scared that I was going to be mad at her. Starts <laughs> crying and tells me. Mom, I tried not to buy you a present. I told my teacher. My mom told us we're not allowed to buy anything. But they gave us money from the money they save for people who don't bring in money. So that Because the teacher said, there's no way your mom will be mad if you buy a present. And my daughter insisted to her, you don't know my mom. She'll be so mad. <laughs> and I was that mother. And so then what are you going to do? You're like, oh, no, of course I want another mermaid mug. Of course I do. <laughs> I feel like that's the level. <laughs> this whole book is about looking again with new eyes at the mug you hate. Yes. And realizing it's it's the best thing in your life. I had a reader, it's an early reader thing. from our uh-huh. lunch team post a picture on Instagram <laughs> of her mugs, of her janky, like, weird mismatched collection <laughs> that I feel like are a metaphor for this season in my oh, life. I love oh, it. Oh, there's so many things like that. Like how you guys, like how you want your house to be pretty and perfect. And then you're like walking along and your son has left like his, his hard crotch protector thing that he wears on baseball on the dining room table and you're like why is this here what have you done or how one year my boys were in the baseball playoffs that my husband was coaching and we had been to like this is a rough estimate 50 billion games okay (laughs) and they last for a million hours each and 
On the day of the playoffs, Zoe, who has been dragged since birth to all of these sports practices, the poor child, she was doing dance that year. And her final recital was literally like the hour after the championship game ended. (laughs) I sat through those three boys in my life down, my two sons and my husband, and told them, it will be the death of you if you do not show up on time to this (laughs) recital. I don't care if you have to walk off the field. You will be there. You will be there. And so I was there early with Zoe doing her hair, and she's in this precious little tutu. She's so excited, Mm -hmm. and I assure her, her boys will be there. And I told Peter, you better show up with flowers. Mm -hmm. Like, do not come to this thing without a bouquet of flowers for her. And so she's, you know, backstage, she's all settled. I'm sitting in the audience. I have these three chairs I'm reserving and I'm sweating. I'm like panic texting them. Like, where Where are are you? you? (laughs) What is happening? And right before the lights go down and the curtain comes up, these three men of mine troop in. The boys are still wearing full baseball gear, including their cleats. Okay. Oh, no. They're sweating. (laughs) Peter comes in and sits down and I just tell him like, well done. The curtain goes up. And at one point I look over at him. And I'm not joking you. In one hand, he is holding the bouquet of flowers that he has brought to give his daughter after the game. After the game. See, I'm programmed. After the performance, he has this beautiful bouquet of roses. And in his other hand, he is holding one of his son's crotch protector cups because it had been (laughs) uncomfortable for him. And I guess he took it off during the show and handed it to Peter. And he's just sitting there holding. And for you who don't know, Christy, these things are like inside a pair of underwear. It's not like it's, it's not like he's holding something that was touching. Uh, This conversation just took a funny turn. But right there, welcome to the middle, my That's friends. Right. This is life the messy, the weird, middle-ish uh, season of life that uh, we have got to celebrate. Friends, this is the book you want to read at the pool, at the beach, while you're at the sports practice. Right. It's the book that you're going to be peeking looks at while you're watching your grandchildren play in the yard. Uh, I could go on. This is this is this is the book I'm giving to neighbors. I'm giving to the women in my life. This is but I think what I love about this book, you're such a good storyteller. It's so much fun, but there's real meaty, mm. important series. This like is not a fluff. whole section on doubt. Right. This right. is not fluff. You guys, yeah. it's divided into these sections about our lives because that's kind of how life is here in the middle. Like, you know, my fa- <laughs> one of my favorite sections is called Why the Middle of Your Muffin Top Matters. <laughs> all about body image. You know how your age is not a dirty word. Mm. Scale is not the boss of you. My favorite muffin top photo, the love story of turning 40 and Mm -hmm. sections on marriage, on parenting. I have a whole section on failure because by the middle, you've accumulated quite a lot of failure and about sports, of course, and friendship and then faith and doubt because, you know, as Christy and I have wrestled with ourselves in this middle moment of my life, all those things in the beginning that seem to just come easy with faith. I feel like I've lived long enough now that I have really big questions mm. that don't always have answers. And so they're just really honest conversations here about that, about asking hard questions. And I, one of my favorite essays in this section is called For the Thomases. Yeah. Because Thomas, yeah. the church is the one who labeled him Doubting Thomas. <laughs> he was just Jesus' friend. Yeah. Jesus didn't have any trouble showing Thomas what he needed to yeah. believe. 
Oh, I love that connection that the middle is also about questions that we may not have the answers right. to yet and right. learning to live with the questions, right. learning to be brave and go on asking the questions, even while younger people in our lives are asking us questions and mm-hmm. we're supposed to have the answers. And, uh, oh, you sto- you tell the stories so well. I love it. It was uh, cathartic for me. I think there was something about writing down the beauty of these Mm. days that Mm. helped me look at my life differently. And maybe I'll end by just sharing this. I recently stumbled on the writings of N.T. Wright, which basically implies I live under a rock because (laughs) he's been around forever. How could I stumble on that? But the thing that he writes about that really was a game changer for me, especially as someone who's been a believer her whole life, a lot of what we believe, and I don't think this is wrong, I just feel like he added a layer for me. You know, we talk a lot about how Jesus has called us to be part of the kingdom of God. And there's this understanding that this world will pass away, Jesus will return, and He will take us to the, you know, the kingdom of God, the kingdom to come. He'll take us to heaven where things are restored and beautiful and whole and healed. But what N.T. Wright did that blew my mind is he said, Jesus always said the kingdom of heaven is now. It's here. It's already on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. Jesus said those words. And it was so radical for me, that shift in how I looked at my life, because if that's true, then every ordinary thing you do, making chicken, driving the carpool, running in that 5K with your son, showing up for basketball, comforting a kid who got kicked off the soccer team, dealing with those terrible test results or that horrible decision your teenager made or the fights you have with your husband or the hard work you do to stay connected to your friends, that is kingdom building work. Those are the building blocks of being an agent of change now. That is you bringing the kingdom of God to earth as it is in heaven. When you see that, when you see those lenses and you look through them and you look at your life, suddenly standing in front of a sink full of dishes or trying to finish that work deadline and still be home for the play your daughter is in, take on a whole other level of significance that there's something about what you do now that isn't actually passing away that has an eternal lifespan. Whoa, I mean, that Mm -hmm. changes everything. Mm -hmm. And so my hope so much for you guys as you read this book and that you would hear God essentially telling you, I see you. Those moments that feel the most invisible, all of heaven bears witness and celebrates you, that you are writing a love song that will play into eternity. Man, and then I just hope you get a good laugh and a good cry at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. I want to say the title again. It's not The Middle Matters. It's The Middle Matters. It matters. Oh, thank you, Lisa Joe. The Middle Matters. So I hope you've got a copy. If you are going to be here at the barn on Saturday, we cannot wait to meet you. But listen, if you can't make it, don't be disappointed for two reasons. Number one, we will be doing a live recording mm-hmm. of the podcast in the barn. So mm-hmm. you will feel like you were there. And number two, this is just the beginning of many more gatherings to come. <laughs> so thank you if you've picked up a copy. Gosh, it would mean a lot if you would go and leave a review on Amazon or yes. Goodreads or wherever you bought it. Go cheer me on there so I can hear from you because that's, right. that's the exciting part. Writing a book is hearing back from mm-hmm. your readers. So So leave a review if you would 
share it on whatever social media you're on, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. You're welcome to tag me. You can tag at Lisa Jo Baker. The hashtag we're using for the book is why the middle matters. And I would so love to connect with you in those places and tell you thank you. Thank you for reading this book and sharing the story with me. Thank you, Lisa Jo. If you enjoyed today's conversation, why don't you take a sec right now, scroll down in your podcast app and hit that subscribe button, which simply means that new episodes will pop up in your podcast app every week for free. Oh, 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 oh,